Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of History and Film. We're talking about a movie, The Favorite, that I just saw in theaters yesterday and I have done no research for. So what I thought I would do is basically just record myself doing the research. But don't worry, I'll cut out most of the boring parts, but you might hear me clanging on some keys and stuff. And it's probably going to be way, way, way less research, no script being written, and we'll just see what we find as I go through. So I just saw it yesterday. It's in contention for a Best Picture nomination. And it is a film by Yorgos Lanthimos, who I've seen some of his stuff, and I'm not actually a huge fan. Uh, I saw The Lobster from last year or the year before, and I can kind of appreciate it for being different, but it's almost just kind of too weird, but whatever. And then Dogtooth, I didn't like at all, but... I'd be curious to revisit it now that I've seen a few Lanthimos movies and maybe it just hit me so off guard that I really had no idea what I was getting into, whereas I went in watching The Favorite expecting weird and it was kind of interesting seeing the audience. You could kind of just tell which pockets of people were and were not familiar with Lanthimos. And I would say this is obviously less weird than Lobster to its credit, which I think is probably why it's going to get maybe more nominations than his other stuff. So I didn't know much going in. I did know it was about Queen Anne, who was the predecessor of King George and then the successor of William and Mary. And actually just William, because when you had William and Mary ruling jointly, then Mary did die before William. And this is all coming off at the end of the Stuart Monarchs. So Anne ends up being the last of the Stuart Monarchs, a descendant from James I. And the film doesn't say when we are set, but Queen Anne reigned from 1702 to 1707. So it must be set sometime within that period. And the first thing I want to look up here is... So the whole movie is about the rivalry between Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone on basically who's trying to be the Queen's current favorite. Rachel Weisz's character has been her favorite for a seemingly long amount of time. And, and Anne, her actually, as queen, seems very disinterested in the matters of state and everything like that. So Rachel Weisz's character basically almost serves as the acting queen in a lot of ways just because she has the queen's trust uh, to such a high degree. And then Emma Stone's character comes in, who's a cousin of Rachel Weisz's character who's down on her luck kind of wants a job at court, ends up kind of working her way and playing the games and challenging Rachel Weisz for that favorite spot with the queen. And because it isn't, well, I did just watch it yesterday. Today is, I will say, December 22nd when I'm recording, obviously well before this is released. But by the time this is released, it should be around the time Oscar nominations are coming out or have come out but before the ceremony still. Anyway, I don't because of all that, I don't want to give spoilers like I usually do, even though it's historical. Actually, let's check because that's the first thing I need to check is I don't know if Rachel Weisz's characters and Emma Stone's character are historical or not. So let's check. Yes, so very interesting. Uh, Rachel Weisz plays Sarah Churchill on Wikipedia here. I think they called her Sarah Freeman or Free... I don't... Well, I could probably check that, too. I was thinking that wasn't the same last name as they used in the movie. Maybe. I don't know. That's what it says on the film's Wikipedia page, too. But yes, this is a real character. Sarah Churchill, the Duchess of Marlborough, which is what she goes by in the film. 
Yeah, interesting. So I'm just looking through. This does seem to be a pretty accurate depiction of who this person was. A close, very close friend of the queen who had a lot of power and made her someone you did not want to have against you at court. Okay, Emma Stone's character, Abigail, does seem to have existed as well. Now, there's even a section on the real Abigail Masham's Wikipedia page called Favorite, but of course I don't know if that section was just recently added due to the name of the film being Favorite. But yes, it does look like the Abigail character became the Queen's favorite after Sarah, Rachel Weisz's character, had fallen out of favor with the Queen. So there is definitely a seed of truth to this little... It might be a little strong to call it a love triangle, but honestly, it's a, it's a bit of a love triangle between these three women, one of whom's the queen and the other two women who are cousins. And again, we're cousins in real life, it appears, uh, vying for her favor. Very interesting. So again, normally here I would recap the whole movie. I don't want to go point, point by point and do that here. But suffice it to say, it's just kind of a constant one-upping and backstabbing between the two women and just kind of trying to throw each other under the bus in the eyes of the queen and going back and forth. It's it's a dark comedy, very much like Lobster was, the other Lanthimos film. Very cool that he took his style and said, gave it this historical setting with a real-life story, but it still has his dark sense of humor with just this kind of weird bizarreness, but it seems to fit the personality of Queen Anne, at least as she's depicted in the movie. So the two favorites don't necessarily have historical significance outside of their relationship with the Queen. So basically, let me just use this opportunity to talk about Queen Anne. So I mentioned Queen Anne was succeeded by George I, basically because she didn't have an heir, so it it went back up, you know, the family tree to another descendant of James I, who ended up being her distant cousin, George I of Hanover. So you switch the, from the Stuart kings the, to the Hanoverian kings. But what's interesting, and the movie does talk about this too, in the, in the movie, and I had never heard this, Anne mentions having 17 pregnancies and no surviving children. The, the haunting phrase in the film is, some were born as blood. And again, on the Wikipedia page, which I understand could have been edited by someone having seen this movie, but I don't necessarily have strong reason to believe that's the case. But it does list 17 pregnancies of Queen Anne with quite a bit of detail as far as birth date, if applicable. Many of them were actually buried. It it says several here were actually, some were were miscarriages, of course, but others are stillborn kids, others that lived even a year or two. And just, just heartbreaking. And now in the movie, she has 17 rabbits, which at first we just think this, it's this odd quirk of this rather immature middle-aged woman who just has these pet rabbits. But we learn about the halfway point of the movie that they represent her 17 pregnancies. And it's a way for her to kind of have her children around her. Yeah, the Wikipedia page doesn't seem to mention anything about rabbits. That doesn't mean she didn't actually have rabbits. And even if she didn't, it's very cool touch to add to the film. And if she did have them, uh, all the more heartbreaking. Okay, so I think with the Shakespeare in Love episode and the Three Musketeers episode, we did already get into Elizabeth I not having any heirs, and so it jumped over to her distant cousin, James VI of Scotland, who became James I of England. He was succeeded by his son, Charles I, who was beheaded by 
Oliver Cromwell's crew in the English Civil War. Cromwell ruled for about five years. Ultimately, though, Charles I was succeeded, not succeeded, I guess. The, there was a restoration of the crown, and Charles II, the son of Charles I, was put back on the throne of England, and the monarchy was restored. Charles II was then actually succeeded by his brother, another child of Charles I. So this was James II, and that he was actually kind of pushed, forced out in favor of his daughter. You know, a lot of the tensions left over from the whole Civil War thing with the, the Cromwell types still weren't necessarily really happy with the monarchy, it would seem, although then, they, again, so they kind of pushed for Mary to come in. And then Anne became queen in 1702 when she was 37 years old. And it looks like, hey, again, here's why I do this all ahead of time and not on the fly. So I was wrong on her reigning just from 1702 to 1707. She actually reigned until 1714 when she died. But it's, it's split up into two different sections on Wikipedia because her official title changed. Okay, it's basically when Scotland became part of the same country again. So, and that is what's interesting. So actually, I do kind of remember this from before. So remember Braveheart, where, you know, the Scots win their freedom. It's the, it's the big thing with Robert the, the Bruce, you know, basically throwing off the English shackles and Scotland becomes its own nation independent from England. You know, everybody's happy. Yay, 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 Scotland. And then jump forward to when James I became king of both Scotland and England when Elizabeth died. So he was already the king of Scotland as King James. And then he became the king of England. It was, those were separate crowns, obviously. So he was actually just simultaneously the king of two different countries. And that stayed the same through all the Stuart kings through Anne. And then during her reign, Scotland became part of the same nation. So it became one crown. So that's the distinction that changed in the middle of Anne's reign, actually. Now I'm just looking through to find something else, a little small little tidbit to talk about. So this just isn't a ridiculously short episode. And okay, here's one, her husband. So her husband isn't in the movie, Prince George of Denmark, it says. And it says he died in 1708. So the movie must be set sometime after that because he's never even mentioned within the context of the movie. And she dies in 1714. So it's in the window from after the death of her husband in 1708 to before her death in 1714. So we're right there in that window. And I guess I could probably narrow it down even more by looking at when those two women were there. But that's that's pretty gives us a pretty good idea uh, of that window there. And let's look at... I wouldn't say she has mental health issues in the film. It's more of just, uh, I guess, what we would call today affluenza. She just seems completely overwhelmed by anything other than constantly being pampered. Says she was immediately popular with her people. There's a little bit of a rivalry with the Dutch at this time. And even, you know, we talk about William and Mary. William had ties to Holland. And she seems to have made a point to basically say we're not going to be subject to the whims of Holland and the Netherlands. Says here she actually was very interested in the affairs of state, which would be actually different than what we saw in the movie, where it seems like, not that she couldn't care less, but she's got gout and stuff and just seems to be too overwhelmed, and she kind of likes that Sarah just takes care of all that stuff for her, but she does still care what the people think of her and does still attend parliamentary sessions where she does kind of make decisions, even if those decisions were actually made by Sarah behind the scenes and she's kind of pushing the queen to do what she wants. 
says here she did have gout and had to go around in a wheelchair at times, again, just like we saw in the movie. So as bizarre as this movie was, it actually seems to have been eerily accurate. Uh, the only, Like I said, the only thing is, I'm just looking for anything about Anne's personality. That'd be kind of the big final piece to figure out what's fantasy and what's reality. I don't see anything about mental illness or depression or even just immaturity in general. Now, here's what's interesting. This actually has a quote from uh, Sarah, the Duchess Marlboro, who kind of talked crap on Anne in her own memoirs. Calls her weak, and while she was not a fool, she definitely would not be called wise. And here's the key phrase. Being very ignorant, very fearful, with very little judgment. And kind of goes on to talk about why she might have meant well. She just didn't sound her, surround herself with the best people. But again, that's a potentially biased against her source. Um, it also talks about how a lot of accounts of her could have been uh, tainted by misogyny. Men who just didn't feel they should have to be under a queen. So I guess overall, we'll say the film seems to be pretty accurate with a TBD and actually a, skept- a skeptical TBD to be determined as far as her, her personality. We might give her a little more credit especially given the hard life she seems to have had, losing 17 pregnancies and not an heir to show for it. That, 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 that's, that's just devastating. I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine, especially, and with the pressure at the time, to, to provide an heir to the country. And so you feel like not just the personal sadness, but you, do you feel you let the whole nation down, your whole empire down? So sad story, good movie. Curious to see where it ends up here in Oscar season. And since, frankly, the movie isn't that rich on plot itself, I think that's really about all there is to say, since I don't want to get into spoilers or anything. So, again, we'll just call this a short bonus episode. And a little peek behind the curtains for you. I'm in. I'm past 22 minutes on my recording here, but that's got a lot of just dead time as I was looking through Wikipedia. But I also did stop it a couple times. So... As I'm saying these words right now, I don't know how long this episode is going to be, but I'm going to guess it's going to be well under 10 minutes, probably closer to like six. But anyway, uh, I don't know if this is the best format, but we'll give it a try and we'll see you next Tuesday with our regularly scheduled broadcast. <laughs>